0: Thank you and happy new year Kingsgate. Happy new year. We're looking forward to 2018 and we're kicking it off with this short series on courage, which is going to set us up for a great new year and partly because we can guarantee a couple of things about this year despite all the unknowns. It will be a year of blessing as surely as God is God. Amen. 2018 is already pregnant with the promises of God. I like to think of it that way. God has promised things over this coming year, and uh, one of the old Puritans that was, uh, uh, John Bunyan, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He, he famously put it this way. He said, "God has made so many promises we can't take a step forward without treading on one. I love that. that's a great way to think of 2018, isn't it? We're stepping into the promises of God. It's going to be a year of blessings, and I'm sure it'll also be a year of some battles, some challenges you may be very aware of, some things that are squaring up to you in this coming year, that as well as the blessings will be a battle, something you're facing. And so it's just right that we start the year with courage, right? (laughs) Setting ourselves up to overcome the battles and receive God's blessings. Now, as we talk about courage then, we're not talking about Dutch courage, okay, just to be clear, there is a form of courage that you can get by drinking some alcohol and getting some bravado and aggression. We were welcoming in the new year on the, on the streets uh, this year, and there was plenty of Dutch courage around, but it's not the kind of courage you want. It leaves a hangover and regrets. But God can give a courage that doesn't require a drink to gain confidence, but can actually leave us feeling fresh and ready for the new year. So it's not Dutch courage, and it's also not reckless courage. There is a form of, sounds like courage, but it's really just being overly risky, taking action without thinking through the consequences. We're not talking about that either. I heard of a man who um, appeared before St. Peter at the pearly gates outside heaven. And as St. Peter welcomed him there and trying to decide whether he should let him into heaven or not, he decided to ask him, so have you ever done anything courageous? And the man said, well, actually one thing comes to mind. I I once saw a group of macho bikers um, who were intimidating a young woman, and so I stepped in and I said to them, you leave her alone. And they didn't listen to me, so I went up to the biggest biker with the biggest tattoos, and, and I kicked over his bike, and I ripped the nose ring out of his nose and threw it on the ground, and I said, now you leave her alone or you'll answer to me. Now, St. Peter was impressed, and he said, so when did this happen? Just a couple of minutes ago, the guy said, (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm here. There is a form of reckless courage that doesn't think before it acts. We're not talking about Dutch courage. We're not talking about reckless courage. We're not talking about even just courage that operates in rare moments of crisis and wins medals as a result. We're talking about a courage that actually is much more for everyone and for every day. You see, you may not be naturally a brave kind of person. You may actually be someone who's feeling quite anxious, quite timid at the moment. I've got good news for you. God can give you courage. You don't have to be born brave. Or however you're feeling today, God's got courage that he can give you. It's for everyone. And it's for every day. It's not just for the remarkable moments, sensational moments of courage. No, no, it's for the Monday morning at work when you're feeling the nerves. It's for the domestic challenges of life that arise. It's for everyone, and it's everyday courage. I want to define it this way. Here's, um, here's my definition of what we're talking about. Courage is putting our confidence in God and stepping out in faith despite the fears and challenges of life. How does that sound? Could we do with a bit more of that? Courage is putting our confidence in God and stepping out in faith despite the fears and challenges of life. Now that's a helpful definition, but what really helps is to see this in action. And so we've chosen two biblical characters, Caleb this week and Joshua next week, who illustrate, who embody this kind of courage in real terms. They were both contemporaries. They were friends with each other. They were part of the nation of Israel that God delivered out of slavery in Egypt, led them through the wilderness, and brought them to the brink, the very edge of the promised land. This land is known as Canaan, modern-day sort of Israel-Palestine region. And it was a land that God had promised to Israel. Hence, they were called, it was called the promised land. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And they're right on the brink of it. And Israel decide to send into the land 12 spies, a sort of undercover reconnaissance mission, and Joshua and Caleb are among the 12 spies, part of Israel's MI6, right? They go into the land in order to suss out what lies ahead, and then they report back to the nation of Israel to inform them of what it will mean to take the promised land. They come back with a a report that includes two pieces of information, really. On the one hand, they've seen big grapes. In fact, they come back carrying grapes that are so big, it takes two men to carry one cluster of grapes. Can you imagine that? That's how fruitful this land is, grapes the size of melons, right? I hope they were seedless grapes, don't you think? (laughs) There's nothing more frustrating. But anyway, they come back with big fruit big grapes, but they also report, as we'll see, big giants, big challenges that lie ahead. Now, doesn't that sound like life, right? There's big grapes, God's got great promises for us, and there's big giants. There are challenges as we seek to receive them. And so we're going to read this passage that speaks about the reaction of Israel to this news from the 12 spies. We're reading from Numbers chapter 13, listen up especially for the courage of Caleb, The spies reported back and said, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the other spies said, No, no, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. They said, Oh, the land we explored, it devours people living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So that night... All the community raised their voices and wept aloud and cried out, Oh, if only we died in Egypt. Why is the Lord bringing us out to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Then Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and said, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land A land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Great stuff, isn't it? What a fantastic story. And did you notice the same report, two quite different reactions. The people turned away, the ten spies turned away in fear. Caleb steps forward with Joshua and speaks faith. And after they've all spoken, God speaks. And it's always decisive, isn't it? Isn't it, when God gives the verdict. And listen to the verdict. God says those who are fearful will not enter the promised land. But then he speaks specifically about our man Caleb. And listen to what he says in Numbers 14. This is God speaking now. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Now, our ears should prick up at that moment. God says of Caleb, he has a different spirit. And this different spirit makes the difference between defeating the giants and tucking into the grapes, or losing out on all God's promise, which happens to the others. It's something about Caleb that means he gets all that God has for him. I don't know about you, as I stand at the brink of 2018, I want to get all that God has for me. I want to defeat some giants and tuck into some grapes, right? So the obvious question is, okay, so what was the difference with Caleb? What is courage like Caleb? And there are three things I think we can learn that can help us in that regard. The first is simply this. Courage is putting God in first place. Courage puts God in first place. You know, Caleb in the Bible doesn't actually get much airtime. There aren't many verses about Caleb, very few in fact. And yet within a very small space of of text, five times the defining characteristic of Caleb is mentioned. The Lord himself referred to it. He says this, My servant Caleb, who follows me wholeheartedly. Can you say that with me? Wholeheartedly. Caleb was a man who put God in first place. He was a man who was known for it. He lived for God. He was a man utterly devoted to the Lord. He was not half-hearted. He was whole-hearted for God. And can I say, ultimately nothing has changed. If you want to know the key to the Christian life, it all starts and ends here, doesn't it? We've got to be a people who are whole-hearted for the Lord, who put God in first place in our lives. Caleb was a man who clearly, we don't know the detail, but clearly he lived with a sense of delight in God, a sense of privilege that he got to be part of God's people at all. And as a result, he knew some of the certainties that God brings to those who follow him. He knew that whatever happened in the future, God would be faithful to him and he would always be God's son, one of those part of the kingdom. Now, if you're a Christian today, I can't tell you what's going to happen to you in 2018. But I can tell you this. God will be faithful to you. And by the end of the year, you'll still be his child, filled with the Holy Spirit and seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Nothing's going to change that, right? We stand on the brink of a new year. We stand on terra firma, solid rock. God is faithful to us. And out of that... We are to be faithful to him. We are to put him in first place. Caleb was just known for it. If you knew this guy, the thing you knew about him is he's passionate for God. He's devoted to the Lord. You know, it is possible to be a Christian, genuinely to be saved, but not to be the servant of the Lord. To be genuinely a Christian, but to be caught in a sort of half-hearted place. To have one foot in God's camp, but to have another foot in other things that pull us in a different direction, relationships that we're in, or commitments we take up, or just hobbies and lifestyles and pleasures and passions that lead us away from God. You know, it's possible to not be wholehearted, but half-hearted, right? A foot in both camps. And if you play this kind of lifestyle out, it doesn't head in a good direction, right? (laughs) Right? You know, if you want to be courageous, you've got to be wholehearted. This is what happens when we get anxious because we're half-hearted. It leads us to doing the spiritual splits. We're half following God, and we're half after other things. Half-hearted people will be anxious people. It's wholehearted people that will be courageous people, right? Put God first. I know this from my own experience. In my teenage years, I was genuinely a Christian. I'd made a commitment to Jesus, But I was also desperate to please other people, to be liked by my friends and people at school especially. And so I was a Christian, but I didn't get baptized because I didn't really want to sort of blow my cover. (laughs) I didn't want anyone to know what was actually true. I lived in fear, in other words, a lot of anxiety because I was caught between whether I was really following the Lord or whether I was really following the crowd. You know that kind of feeling? And it leads us to a place, I I was not happy with who I was. was, There was an inner tension. I'm not feeling happy right now. (laughs) That's the problem with living half-hearted for the Lord. And I remember late teens, I just got a clear understanding of the grace of God. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it set me free from the fear of what others thought of me. And I put two feet in God's camp, and I got baptized, and I moved on from living a life under fear to living a life of confidence in God. Now, I'm not perfect, to be honest. I'm still on a bit of a journey to make sure in 2018 it's not this, but this, right? Anyone else on that journey? But Caleb says to us, if you don't want to live anxious, but you want to live courageous, don't do the spiritual splits. Put God first. That's a big challenge for 2018 for all of us. I wonder what that means today for you to start the new year, two feet in God's camp. God, I put you first in my priorities and the way I live. I will please you first and foremost. Amen. Amen. Caleb was wholehearted. Courage puts God in first place. And then out of that strong stance of commitment to the Lord, secondly, courage puts fear in its place. Courage puts God in first place, and then we can put fear in its place. Did you notice in this story that it's like a snapshot of what it means to live in fear and what it means to live in faith? The ten spies are in fear. Caleb and Joshua speak faith. Caleb, in fact, silences fear. He roars faith. The Proverbs 28 verse 1 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, and there's something lion-like about Caleb, isn't there? He just roars confidence in God when others are afraid. Now listen, 2018 for our lives will be more decided by this than what's actually happening in the external world. Stuff will happen in the external world, that's life. The most important issue is how we on the inside respond to it. Do we react in fear and give way in fear, or do we stand firm in faith? That will be decisive for our families, for our own lives, and for the year ahead. So what does it mean to act in faith rather than fear? Well, notice, it's not actually about seeing the facts. Both the ten spies and Caleb and Joshua, they all saw the same situation. They both—they all went into the land. None of them denied the grapes, the big promises, And none of them denied the giants, the big challenges. So whatever faith is, it's not being in denial. To be a courageous person doesn't mean you have to pretend there's no problems or hide from reality. If you're sick, you don't need to pretend that you're not, right? That's not faith. If you're in debt, you don't need to pretend that you're not. That's not faith. If you are feeling anxious, you don't need to pretend that you're not and have another drink to suppress it. No, no, no. Faith can face the facts. Faith can face up to the giants and the challenges that lie ahead. The difference between them is not whether they face the facts, but here's the key difference from this passage. Fear leaves God out of the equation and it makes its decisions out of fear. Faith puts God in the center of the equation and makes its decisions in the light of God. That's the big difference. Faith Brings God in and fear leaves God out. Now you see this in the Ten Spies report. Verse 31, we simply read this listen to their equation out of which they will make their decision. This is life, isn't it? We all have to face equations, what's for us and against us. And then out of that equation, we make our decisions, right? Listen to their equation. We can't attack those people, they say. They are stronger than we are. Notice the equation then. You can see it here on the screen. It's simply us is less than life's challenges. That's their equation. And notice who's missing. (laughs) There is no mention of God, right? Fear leaves God out of the equation and simply highlights all of the challenges and makes excuses as to therefore why we should turn back and not go forwards. That's fear. Now when we leave God out of the equation... We open the door of our lives to fear, and when we let fear in, notice in this passage and in our own experience, notice what fear does. Fear exaggerates, and then it escalates. Firstly, fear exaggerates. When fear is allowed into our hearts, it begins to exaggerate the challenges that we're facing, and we run away into fears and scenarios, here's the point, that don't actually exist. Have you ever experienced this? This is what happens in the passage. They start to talk no longer about the facts, but now they're making up scenarios. They say the land we explored devours those living in it. Hang on a minute. <laughs> no, that's just soil, right? Soil can't eat people up. You're, now you're into another. Now you're in another realm of mythology and fear and intimidation and exaggeration. They say we look like grasshoppers. Hang on a minute. That's not the facts. Now that's you putting your layer of fear onto it and turning your whole life into embracing and worrying about scenarios that don't actually exist. Psychologists call this, um, call, call this a whole, whole approach uh, to, to sort of catastrophizing life. That is, every particular fact turns into a catastrophe as we allow fear to exaggerate one thing into a whole load of other things that don't actually exist. We feel some physical symptoms, catastrophizing is I'm dying. And we're facing a whole load of scenarios that you're not actually going to face, right? We hear that our company is restructuring, I'm now redundant. And we're facing all sorts of things that isn't actually what's going to happen. We hear that someone's late home and we think they've had a car crash and we're worrying. This is catastrophizing, it's what fear does. It exaggerates until we are worrying about things that don't exist. As one old man put it, I've had a lot of trouble in my life. Most of which never happened. <laughs> Most of which never happened. How much have we wasted on fear? How much of our God-given lives, how many present moments have been lost in future worries that never happened? Fear is a, it's a waste. It eats away at the present gift of life by worrying about future scenarios that potentially never come our way anyway. It exaggerates and fear then escalates. Did you notice this? Initially, it's the 10 spies who are afraid, but as they speak out their fear and open the door to fear and exaggerate through fear, now they spread that fear through the whole of the nation of Israel. By, by chapter 14, we read this that night, all the people wept and cried. It was 10, now it's escalated to the whole company. Everyone's up all night. <laughs> Now, by morning, you've got a sleepless people who are irrational and losing all sense of the situation. In fact, they start speaking nonsense. They say, Oh, now, now I get it. Now I understand why God delivered us from Egypt. He wanted to bring us into the wilderness and torture and kill us here. God's like a little teenager that captures a daddy long legs to pull all its legs. You know, this is ridiculous. This is a good God who delivered you from Egypt, and now he's turned into a bad God. Fear is utterly irrational when it takes hold. And do you hear that conclusion? We should go back to Egypt. We'd be so much better. (laughs) This is ridiculous. You were enslaved in Egypt, and God set you free. And now fear is so irrational, it wants to take you back. Fear exaggerates, and it escalates, and as a result, it can leave us wasting the life that God's given us. Now listen, faith... Is quite prepared to listen to the facts. Caleb was quite prepared to be honest about the facts. But did you notice that as soon as they start speaking fear, Caleb steps in? It's one of the reasons I love him. Courage will listen to the facts, but will silence fear. Can I say that again? Courage will listen to the facts but will silence fear. Did you hear what he did uh, in chapter 30 uh, and verse thir- 13 and verse 30 we simply read Caleb silenced the people. It's quite aggressive in the Hebrew. It's quite staccato. It's like he said to the voices of fear shut up. <laughs> it's it's aggressive, it's combative. He is happy to listen to the facts, but he is going to close the door to fear. And that distinction is very important for 2018 for all of us. We must be those who are prepared to hear the facts, but close the door to fear. Husbands, parents, do not allow, everyone as individuals, do not allow fear entry into your hearts and your homes. Don't give it the microphone. Don't starve it of oxygen. We've got to silence fear and its potential to exaggerate and escalate in our lives. Now, with that in mind, how do we shut the door on fear? Well, listen, think think it through. If we let fear in when we leave God out, we get fear out when we bring God in, right? That's pretty logical, isn't it? Fear leaves God out of the equation. Faith brings God into the equation. Listen to Caleb doing this in his little speech in Numbers 14. He says this in the message version, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will give us this land, so don't be afraid of these people. Why? We'll have them for lunch. (laughs) They have no protection. If God is on our side, don't be afraid of them. What a wonderful speech, eh? And notice, it's all about God. His equation is very different to theirs. It's not just us, less than life's challenges. Now it's us plus almighty God is with us. Now surely that changes the outcome of the equation. Surely if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The introduction of God to the equation is a game changer, right? It changes the whole outcome of the challenges that we face. Caleb then, courage is not looking inward to try and summon up some brave reserves. Courage is looking upward and saying, but what about God? If God is for us, if he's with us, we can certainly do this. That's Caleb's line. The presence of God on our side is a game changer. I remember at school one time, uh, I think it was about 13 or 14, getting into a fight uh, with another boy. And um, a teacher separated us before one of us had drawn blood. So we, we decided to, we arranged to meet at the school gates after school to finish, settle the matter, as boys do. And so I turned up, and I want you to know that I could have had him, right? Just get that clear before I tell you what actually happened. I could have had him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But as I turned up to the school gates, there he was with a sort of grin of defiance on his face because standing behind him was his older brother, who played second row in the school's Rugby First 15 and was not to mess with. I walked away, right? Because of who was with him. That's courage. Courage says it's not about who I am, but I am not backing down to the bully of fear because of who he is. He is with me, right? Our older brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, is with us so we don't back down to the bully of fear. Now when fear does come knocking at the door then, we've got to find strategies and ways to intentionally bring God into the equation and shut the door On fear. I've learned some scriptures almost to introduce a higher thought, not to try and pretend I'm not afraid, we all feel fear, but to introduce a better thought than the fear in that moment. Why not learn some scriptures? I've I've often quoted Genesis 15, verse 1. The Lord simply says, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. I love Hebrews 13, one of my favorite scriptures, that simply says, Because God has said, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Just the introduction of that kind of truth changes the atmosphere in our hearts and homes. I often quote Isaiah 40. I love this amazing chapter where the Israel is assuming maybe God's forgotten us. He doesn't care for us anymore. And the prophet says, Why do you complain, O Israel, that my way is disregarded by God? Do you not know, the prophet says, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth. He does not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Do you really think God's forgotten you? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Introduce those truths into your situation and you close the door on fear. Amen? Amen. Courage then. Courage then is not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of God on our side of the equation that changes the way we respond. We're a people who some feel the fear, but we act in faith and confidence in God. We refuse to make our decisions out of fear. We make our decisions out of faith. We can certainly do this. And as I say, 2018, this is decisive stuff. Sadly, a whole generation of Israel gave way to fear and never made it to the promised land. But because of this different spirit in Caleb, he entered the land, took on the giants, as we'll see, and tucked into the grapes. Faith and fear will be decisive in our story too, right? We've got to find a way to shut the door on fear and live out of faith. Courage is feeling the fear but refusing to give in to it. Courage is doing it anyway, even when we feel. I wonder what God is calling you to do this coming year. It may be that God's calling you to take a clear decision to follow Jesus and to get baptized in 2018. And fear says, oh, but what about what other people will say? And courage says, look, I feel that fear, but I'm not going to act on that. I'm going to do it anyway. You may be called to take up a new ministry or opportunity in the church or maybe a new responsibility at work and fear says, what if you fail or what if you shows that you're not good enough? You say, I feel that fear, but I'm not acting on that. I'm going to do it anyway. If the Lord is with me, I can do this. Courage is acting out of our confidence in God. How did we define it? Courage is putting our confidence in God and stepping out in faith despite the fears and challenges of life. Now, I'd love to finish the message at this point. I'm sure you'd love me to as well. But the truth is the story of Caleb doesn't finish here. It's not actually quite as easy as it might have been. I'd love to tell you that Caleb spoke courage. Israel listened. And they entered the promised land with brave courage and faith, defeated the giants and tucked into the grapes. But sadly, the story doesn't go that way. Actually, what happened shows the third and final point, courage never gives up. Courage never gives up. Because what actually happened is that Israel gave way to fear. They became irrational, couldn't get through to them, make any sense. They turned back into the wilderness, assuming that was safer, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years as that generation died off. Caleb then had a promise from God that we read earlier, you will inherit the promised land. And yet that seemed to be slammed in reverse as he made his way along with everyone else back out into the wilderness. Now think about this. For over 40 years, he had to wander in circles with the very people who'd screwed it up for him. (laughs) How frustrating, how many disappointments do you have in 40 years of wandering around with people who messed it up for you, right? You could therefore imagine this was a recipe to find a Caleb... 40 years later, who's a bitter and twisted old man, who's just given up on life and hope and decided, ah, you can believe, but it doesn't really work. Life's not as simple as that. Pour cold water on fresh faith, right? You could imagine so easily that could be the end of the story. And it's because it isn't like that, that I think Caleb may be my favorite character in the whole of the Old Testament. Listen to Caleb. He's now 45 years on from the initial courage that he showed. He's wandered with the people who've dropped away. And now with Joshua, he's back on the brink of the promised land. He's back where he started, so to speak. Listen to him in Joshua 14. Now then, he says, I love that. Now then, where were we? Right. (laughs) 45 years on now. Let's get back to where we were. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years. So here I am today, 85 years old, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. So give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. You yourselves heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Isn't that fantastic? Don't you love this, old boy? Eighty-five! What a fantastic 85-year-old. I'm just as vigorous now as I was then. He's not grown disappointed in his old age. His courage has got feistier in his old age. Fantastic example of a man who refused to give up on God and his promise and kept hope alive in spite of the setbacks and challenges. And he reminds us, therefore that when we ask the question how old are you the answer is as much about our attitude as our age right can i ask you how old are you this old boy he he had he was 85 he had 85 birthdays but he had a spiritual vigor of an 18 year old he kept it fresh and alive how old are you how old are you and be careful because you could answer that according to how many birthdays you've had or you could answer that according to how much spiritual vigor you still have. How much adventure is left in you? is probably a better answer to the question, how old are you, spiritually speaking? I don't know about you, but I want to grow old with adventure still in my spirit like Caleb. Still ready to take mountains and take risks for God. And there's a challenge here, isn't there? Just because you are physically old does not mean you can't be spiritually young and full of vigor. Do I hear an Amen. I heard a few. And equally, just because you're physically young does not mean that you will naturally and automatically be spiritually fresh. It's possible to get into your 30s and get so loaded down with responsibilities and anxieties that you've turned into a spiritual pensioner before your time, right? Pulled up the drawbridge and just living life safe and taking no risks or sense of adventure, we've kind of pulled back into spiritual retreat at a very young age. Listen, whether we're old or whether we're young, the challenge of Caleb is, what's your spiritual vigor like? What's left, what adventure is left in you for God? Caleb kept his spiritual energy fresh, despite 40 years of setbacks and frustrations. What a guy. What an example and a challenge for us. How did he do it? Well, I think... Back to that passage from Isaiah 40 that I began to recite earlier. How does it go on to say, The Lord is the everlasting God? He does not grow tired or weary. And then it says this He gives strength to the weary, and He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. What's the key? Those who hope in the Lord. Put your trust and your confidence in God, and you can renew your spiritual age and vigor, just like Caleb did. You can be ready for another fight and another adventure. Do I hear an amen? amen. So, as we go into 2018, put God first. Courage puts God first. Courage puts fear in its place, and courage never gives up. If God has made a promise, he will not break it. If God has not given up on us, we will not give up on him. We will be those who step out in courage into this forthcoming year to take on some giants and to tuck into some grapes. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's remind ourselves of our definition then as we finish. Courage is courage is putting our confidence in God... And stepping out in faith despite the fears and challenges of life. Amen. Amen.